Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, today uh, we reach a milestone. We are finishing the book of Ephesians. Oh, no one clapped. I thought somebody might clap. Uh, we, no, you don't have to. I was not, not intending for that. Uh, but we have been in the book of Ephesians, and today we're going to finish out. And, and what Paul's been saying in the book of Ephesians, if you hadn't been here, uh, he's laying out real clearly, very beautifully, real succinctly, what is the gospel? What is the good news? What is this? Why do we sing? Why do, all this stuff, right? And if you've been following along, he also talks then about how do we live? How does the gospel change how we live as people? How does it change our marriages? How we, how we treat one another? How we spend our time? How we use our money? All these sorts of things. And if you've been following along, sometimes when we read a book like Ephesians that's so well put together, and so beautiful, it's kind of idealistic, right? It seems real good on Sunday morning, but when, uh, when, it hits the, when the rubber hits the road, I'm trying to think, what is the phrase? When the rubber hits the road on Monday morning, it's not so idealistic anymore. And I like that Paul finishes out his letter today with the, uh, the reality that there is a battle there is a struggle, there is a wrestle, there is a, a difficulty, there is spiritual warfare. There are nothing, nev- not everything's going to go our way. And I appreciate that, and I, and I hope that you can appreciate the realness of this passage today. Um, because as, as I've tried to walk with God, it's not always easy. Anybody testify this morning, right? Sometimes it's easy. Uh, sometimes it's easy when the song's really good, right? And sometimes it's good when it feels really good, and sometimes it's easy when, when life's going well. But the reality, I think, for most of us is it's probably a little bit of a struggle, right? There's forces against us, right? The world, the road walking with God is filled with bumps and potholes, winds in the road, changes of direction, misdirection, difficulties, disappointments, tragedy, all sorts of things. And we know that, yes, our salvation is secure in heaven, and and we'll get there one day, but everything between here and there can feel difficult. And Paul's going to address that today. He's going to acknowledge those difficulties, and he's going to give us a game plan. So let's read it. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, and we'll read all the way to 24. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it in the, in, in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I 
am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the words of Paul here, God, and I pray that as we wrestle with um, with the evil one, God, with sin's influence in this world, as we wrestle against the powers that be, God, as we wrestle against our flesh that still uh, that we still live in, God, I pray that as we wrestle, God, you would teach us to put on the full armor of God, and that would be to be filled with truth and faith and salvation and the gospel, God, and God, I pray that you would help us, um, God, not to give in, God, not to fall back, God, but you would help us to stand, and when we've done all, to stand firm, God. God, I pray that you would give us grace this morning as we study your word. I pray that you would help me to speak boldly and clearly as I ought, God. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 10 together, starting in verse 10. He says, finally, amen, somebody, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of the devil. I want you to notice two things in these two verses. One, there's God's part, and two, there's our part. First, he says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And so it's important for us to recognize that being strong does not mean uh, that, that we've got our life all together and we're just, we're just powering through this Christian life thing, right? He's saying, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So, so really what we have to realize before anything else, before we go to battle or try to wrestle or whatever, is that really this is God's victory. This is God's battle, right? And in the end, he is going to win. It is assured. And so we have to learn to rely on him and his strength. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we just kind of sit still, don't really do anything, just kind of let life come at us. We just kind of take it as it comes, and we, we play no part in this. No, no, no. There's God's part, and there's our part. He doesn't say, just be strong in the Lord. Hope things go well for you. No, he says, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There is human effort in our sanctification. There is. It takes effort. <laughs> and sometimes we don't want to put in that effort. Sometimes we ignore that effort. We're either lazy or, I don't know, we're distracted, all sorts of things. But there is human effort in this battle. Yes, God will win the battle ultimately, but we have to be active in the fight against sin, right? If we are not, we will not stand. That's what he says. And so let's remember both of those truths as we walk through here. God's done it, but we have a part in it too. Look at verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So what he, Paul frames this and the key word in this, and to start this is that we wrestle, right? He says we do not wrestle, but he's getting to the point that we do wrestle, right? Wrestle is, it captures this idea of the already and the not yet of our salvation. In some sense, we have already won, right? In some sense, like, the, the story is over. We're going to heaven if we are in Christ. We've been saved. In some sense, that's already true. But it's not yet. You understand? We've not really fully realized all the benefits of our salvation. We're not in a perfect world. We live in a sinful world. We still live in flesh that has evil desires, right? And so we will wrestle. Uh, we are not just saved and immediately plucked and put into heaven. God leaves us here, and there is a battle. There is a wrestle that is going on. And he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is a spiritual battle. And, and now when I say that, I'm speaking to a bunch of modern Western American people. And uh, we are probably uh, prone to a certain response when we hear spiritual battle cosmic powers, this present darkness, these phrases, right? And we, we tend to react one of two ways. We're tempted to either ignore or we're tempted to overemphasize. So, so some of us, because we're so smart, uh, because we're so uh, rational and gifted, we ignore that there is a spiritual battle. We just, nah, we're, nah, this is just... This is just a biology thing. This is just a this thing. This is just a, a people thing. We're tempted to ignore the spiritual battle. And I think Satan does that. I think he, he wants us to ignore him, right? Because if we're not paying attention, then we will get caught. We're too rational and sometimes we're tempted to ignore, but some are tempted to overemphasize. And maybe you know some of these people. Maybe you are these people, and I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but the devil's in every flat tire. The devil's in every broken pencil. The devil's in every spilled drink, right? And maybe he is. And maybe you see the devil in everything that could possibly go wrong, right? We're tempted to one or the other. But the problem with overemphasizing this is that we give Satan power that only God has, right? Satan is not all-powerful. God is. Satan is not all-present. God is. Satan is not all-knowing. God is. So we're tempted to one or the other. Probably most of us lean one way or the other. But Satan is real, and there are evil forces against this. We are also tempted to think that, that our battle is against flesh and blood. And what he means by flesh and blood, uh, I, I think he's talking about all sorts of things. I think he's got, our, what he's saying I think is this. Our battle is not just material. Our battle is not just a conflict between me and him. Our battle is not just, uh, our wrestle is not, the, is not with money. Our wrestle is not with uh, possessions or, or, or sicknesses or biology. That's not primarily our battle. Yes, we, we experience difficulties in all those areas. But what Paul is pointing us to is that ultimately our battle is spiritual. 
And just like with our health, if we diagnose the problem wrong up front, we're going to treat a whole bunch of symptoms that don't need to be treated. We're going to never get to a solution. So up front, let's, let's deal with this. Primarily, our wrestle is something spiritual. Primarily, our biggest issue is something spiritual. It's not really with alcohol. It's not really with a person. It's not really, no, ultimately, it's heart. It's a spiritual issue. So he tells us, it's not against flesh and blood. He says it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We must realize that, that there are evil forces. There are things that are against us. The enemy is at work, right? If, if God intends good for us, we should assume that the enemy does not want that for us. If God wants us to be full of faith, we should assume the enemy does not want us to be full of faith. If God wants us to love our neighbor, we should assume that the enemy does not want us to love our neighbor. If God wants, you see what I'm saying? He is the enemy for a reason. Everything he is stands against everything God is for. And so he is at work. And so what is Paul's point? Verse 12, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We have to take a stand. And it's going to be, uh, he, he uses this imagery, right? Remember, where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's probably in prison. That's why he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. He's in prison for sharing the good news of the gospel. And he's probably chained to a Roman soldier. And he's got a lot of time on his hands. And he's probably looked at this Roman soldier's gear for a long time in these cells. And he starts to ponder, what would it be like to be a Roman soldier, right? And he uses this as a picture of how we fight our battle. And so here's what he says. Look at verse 14. He's describing how we are to stand, stand firm, to withstand Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I, when I read this, this is one of those... I immediately go back to, like, my childhood in the church. Anybody? Anybody? Can you picture the flannel board? Can you picture the bulletin board with the, you know, you're going to get to go pay, pin the helmet on the Roman soldier or whatever, right? Like, I, that's what I'm picturing, right? And we, we can, this is not a kid's story. This is for us, right? Now, if you go read, there's a lot of far-fetched and really interesting interpretations of why he uses helmet, why he uses belt, why he uses all this stuff. And I'm not going to get into all of that. And there's some people that say, oh, you need to wake up every morning and put on and touch your head and touch your chest and touch, you know, put on all this stuff. And that feels more like witchcraft than spiritual discipline. So I don't think Paul was teaching us how to dress ourselves. I think he's teaching us how to be spiritually disciplined so that we don't give in to the enemy. So first, he says, the belt of truth. I did get some fancy pictures. So, um, 
This is a, just a cool-looking belt. Um, a belt. It's a piece of leather, and it held up their clothes, and it, it bound everything together. But more importantly, it held their most essential tools, essential things that they would need in battle, right? So think more tool belt, not clunky like old man tool belt, but like cool tool belt like this. Um, I have a clunky old man tool belt. But, uh, think like this, the most essential things that a soldier would need, right? And he calls it the belt of truth. Truth is the essential thing that we need, right? And this is incidentally where the enemy will attack us, right? How does the enemy attack us? He gives us lies. He distorts the truth. He, he, he deceives us into believing something that's kind of true but not really true. He, he uses all kinds of deception and distortion and clever temptations to get us to believe something. He got Eve to believe that what God said was wrong. That he got Eve to believe that actually was the backwards of that, right? right? That's what the enemy does. He attacks us at the point of truth. He's claiming something is true, that, that this will satisfy you, this will fulfill you, this will complete you. He's, he's tempting us with things that are not true, which is why we need the belt of truth to resist. This is how Jesus himself in the wilderness resisted temptation. The enemy comes to Jesus in the wilderness, right? And remember, he tempts him with what? With scripture. He uses scripture to, and he twists it and he distorts it and he changes it just a little bit. Why? To get Jesus to believe something different than God's word. And what does Jesus do? How does he respond? He whips out his handy-dandy belt of truth, right? And he comes... <laughs> sorry. I don't know. Maybe I turn this into a children's sermon. Okay. <laughs> Jesus speaks truth. And he, 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 he interprets Scripture correctly to combat the lies of the enemy. If we are to stand, we must know the truth. Second, he says, the breastplate of righteousness... The breastplate is, uh, it maybe could have been metal, could have been leather, could have been all sorts of things, but it protected uh, the chest, the sides, the back from body blows, from swords and, you know, whatever, cool weapons you can think of, right? It's protecting those most vital organs, the heart, the lungs. And Paul calls it the breastplate of righteousness, Righteousness means right standing before God. It means that we are justified. We are right. We are, in, in, we are not enemies with God, right? And so why does he call it the breastplate of righteousness? And if we are in Christ, if we've been saved, if we believe the gospel, then righteousness is something we've been given, not something we earned, not something we did. It's something that Christ did when he came to this earth. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. So that we, when we stand before God, he doesn't see all of our past sin, all of our past failure, all of our rejection of him. What does he see? He sees righteousness. But not because we are righteous, because Christ was. Right? And so, I think the enemy is clever. And he attacks us at this point. Right? And he tries to convince us that we are not good enough for God's grace. He tries to convince us that we've done too many bad things. He tries to convince us. He tries to deceive us that we're, we're damaged goods and there's, there, there's too much to overcome and, and we will never be right with God. 
And so why does he call it the breastplate of righteousness? Because it defends us, right? It protects us from these attacks. Because it is true, you are not good enough. It is true, you don't measure up. It is true, you'll never be good enough. But it's also true that Christ was. And he died on the cross to take your place, to give you right standing with God. If we don't have righteousness, we will not stand. i got to pick up the pace. All right, next. He says in verse 15, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Man, I've... I've um, this one's complicated, apparently, in Greek. Not that I know Greek anymore, but um, if you read all the translations, it's all kinds of they're said different ways. And, but these shoes were these kind of famous, I think ladies wear these now where they tie them up real, real high around their ankles. Um, I think these are kind of in style, Maddie, if you want some. Um, but they're, they're, they're tied around their feet, right? But they, they probably had some sort of stud or spike or metal or rocks or something on the bottom. Why? To give them traction, right? So that they could stand firm, so they could withstand attacks, so they're not slipping and falling and becoming vulnerable. But also so that they could move forward, so that they could go. And that's kind of the idea that, that's presented here, that the gospel is, it gives us a readiness, uh, a, a preparedness to move forward. The word for gospel, it really comes from uh, the idea of battle, that when a battle was fought a long ways away, they would send someone back uh, to euangelion, to tell the good news, to share the good news that the battle had been won, right? Now we just send a text, right? We see it on Twitter, whatever. It's on our news feed. We're all getting notifications, right? But they would send somebody a long ways to tell the good news, right? And so for us, what he's saying is, our foundation has to be in the gospel. Our footing has to be firm in the gospel. If we root our identity, if we, if we plant our feet in anything else, it's a, it's a shaky foundation. No, we need to root ourselves in the gospel. Verse 16. I'm losing my voice because I was yelling at little dribblers yesterday. <clears throat> Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The word he uses for shield is not a little small, mobile, round one. No, it's, it's the big red ones. Uh, I don't know why they're always red, but for some reason they're always red. They're big. They're door-like. And what he's saying here is that these really, that big thing is not very useful in hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat. It's too bulky. It's too big. But in a group... It's really useful, right? When there's arrows coming in with fire and tar and all that sort of stuff, it's really useful, right? Because you can, you can get together and defend your position, right? You're not going to be susceptible to this. And I think that's why he uses the specific shield he's talking about here. Because what he's saying is our faith is not meant to be by ourselves, right? If we're exercising our shield all by ourselves, this little round, little dinky shield, We're going to get picked off by a fiery arrow, right? The shield of faith is teaching us that the enemy wants to isolate us. He wants to get us by ourselves, away from the strength of the group. 
If he can isolate us, if he can keep us separate from community, separate from people that know what's going on in our lives, we're much more likely to succumb to temptation. Right? Our faith is a communal faith, and that's what he's saying. Right? We, we have to. And so if we stand alone, we will fall. So the point of this is that we must stand together. Next, he says, the helmet of salvation. Uh, you know what a helmet looks like, but this one just looks cool, so I picked it. Um, probably made of metal. It's protecting the brain from shots to the head, right? It's a death blow. A sword to the head is a death blow. And so the helmet is very important. I think it's key that he calls it the helmet of salvation. Because if we don't have salvation, what will we definitely experience? Death, right? Without our salvation in Christ, how do we fight against the enemy? We, we remember the truth that our salvation is, is sure. God is the author and, and finisher of our faith, right? It is sure. It's not going away. The enemy will try to convince us that maybe uh, you don't need salvation. You're good enough. You're a good person, right? You don't need salvation. It's like walking into battle without a helmet. It's not good. No, we need salvation, every single one of us. I love Brooklyn's story this morning. And, she, you know, you don't get to hear all the stuff I get to hear and talking to him in the, in the room. But, man, she loves God. And she knows that she's a sinner. And I fully believe in my heart that she believes and that she is saved. He says in verse 17, lastly, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon in this list. It's really our only <laughs> means to fight back against the enemy. But I, I love how he says it here. He calls it the sword of the Spirit. And he says, which is the Word of God. And so many times in our day, we, we kind of, <laughs> we, we can combat these two. That the Spirit said this, but the Word says this. Or like, the Spirit told me to do something, but yeah, it's against the Word of God, but it's okay because the Spirit told me to do it. No, he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Spirit will not speak against His Word. His Word will not speak against the Spirit. They are the same, right? And so, all of this comes back to, all of this comes back to, God's word. Every single one of these. Faith, truth, salvation, the gospel. Every single one of these comes back to the word. How do we win a spiritual battle? By knowing God's word and believing it and combating the lies of the enemy with it. I want you to see that every single one of these really is about the gospel. And our spiritual battle won't be won by some fancy technique. Paul isn't saying you need to meditate every morning, put this little thing in your, in your diffuser and all this stuff, right? He's not giving us some technique. What is he teaching us? Know God's word, believe God's word, and apply God's word, right? Look at verse 18, and we'll finish it out. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, 
that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says that we, and through all these things, we are to be praying. We are to pray. Our spiritual battle is fought with prayer. It's, it's our wartime communication from the battlefield to the general, to the one with the resources, to the one with the knowledge, to the one with the game plan, calling back to him saying, God, we need you. God, I don't know how to handle this situation. God, I'm, God, I'm, I'm tempted to do this. I'm tempted to go back. I'm tempted to whatever. Prayer is meant to be um, infusing, covering, whatever, the whole thing. He says that we are to pray, and he uses the word all four times. Praying at all times, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. I read in a commentary this week, some pray for some things, for some people at some times. But we're meant to pray for, in all ways, for all things, for all people at all times. We must up our prayer game if we're to win and to stand firm. Look at verse 21. And Paul's closing out his letter. And he says, So that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I don't know if you can sense it, but Paul loves the Ephesians. And he's probably sent this letter on a scroll, on a something, with Tychicus. And Tychicus traveled a long distance from Rome to Ephesus to give them these words. And Tychicus, I, I wish I was there. I wish I could hear all that Tychicus shared with them. <laughs> But I love how Paul describes Tychicus. I want to be like Tychicus. And I don't know why we don't name our kids Tychicus. We got a lot of Pauls. But maybe we should have another one and name him Tychicus. Tychicus gets no real glory. He gets name dropped at the end. But I want to be like him. He says that he's a beloved brother. A faithful minister. He's going to encourage your hearts. I want to be like that, right? And Paul wraps up his letter with these huge words, peace, love, faith, and grace. We don't have time. We've spent too long talking about each one of those. The point today is this. We all have battles. We all have a fight that we're in. We're all wrestling and I think the three things that spoke to me the most this week of what, what do I need? What do I need in my fight? What do I need in my wrestle against uh, evil forces and, and temptation in my flesh? What do I need? I need three things. One, I need to press into the gospel. I need to press into the good news because it is the weapon that pervades all of these. And it's actually what Casey just prayed for this morning. It's the thing the enemy is tempting us away from. He's tempting us to look to something else to save us. He's tempting us to look to something else to, to be about and to do when we're meant to be speaking it boldly, right? So one, I know I need to press into the gospel. 
That's truth and righteousness and faith and salvation in the word of God. Number two, I think the thing that stuck out to me was I, I need to press into community. That shield of faith that's meant to be used with others, right? Like I can't do this on my own. If I get isolated, I'm, I'm in trouble, right? I need others. And lastly, I need to press into prayer. I need to press into the gospel, press into community, and press into prayer. To pray at all times for all people and all things. Let me pray this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for uh, the good news that exists in it, God. That, God, that none of us are good enough and none, no one of us measures up. God, and no matter how many times we've failed you, God, you knew that beforehand and you still sent your son to die for us. And so I pray this morning, God, that that truth would sink into our hearts, God. And it would dispel all the battles that we fight, God. It would, it would help us in our, in our wrestling against the enemy and against evil. God, I pray that we would press into the gospel, God. I pray that we would press into community, into other people that are fighting the same fight, that can help us, that can support us, that can encourage us like Tychicus. God, I pray that we would not isolate ourselves, God, and, and become vulnerable, God. But I pray that we would... Um, link arms with one another in this fight against the evil that's in our world, God. I pray that we would encourage each other's hearts, God. And lastly, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. God, that we would pray at all times and all ways for all people. God, may our prayer life increase. God, may our time spent with you increase this year. God, we love you. And I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.